if you wouldn't mind praying for me and with me. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are good. You are so good. Lord, we thank you that you have promised that you would send your spirit to be with us and to teach us and to lead us into all truth. And Jesus, you said some hard things. Lord, you said some things that are really, really, well, they're impossible for us apart from you. And so this morning I ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill me to overflowing. Let me speak as though speaking the very words of God. And I pray for those who are hearing this message. I just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would speak clearly and specifically Lord, you would give us a supernatural ability to love the way that you've called us to love. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in a series called the Love Series, which I think is very appropriate for 2020. With everything that's happened in this last year, I I was thinking about... um, how we started out the year 2020. We started out with this massive 20th anniversary celebration. It was this huge party and we all had so much hope and we thought it was just gonna be one way and then boom, COVID. And yet, God is still on the throne, amen? God is still sovereign. He is still the king of the universe. He's He's Lord of all. And as we surrender and as we give ourselves to him as disciples of Jesus, his promise is that he is gonna make us more and more like him. And who doesn't wanna be more like Jesus, right? Jesus was so cool. So profound thoughts from Jody. Jesus was cool. Um, This morning we're gonna start in, in Matthew chapter five. If you wouldn't mind turning there. Matthew chapter five, starting with verse one. And here's what uh, Jesus, oh, wait a second, I'm sorry. Matthew five, it is not verse one, that was wrong, I apologize. Um, It's verse 43, Matthew chapter five, verse 43. Okay, first of all, I wanna, I wanna go back though to Matthew 1. And it says, and when Jesus saw the crowds, okay, now think about this. Jesus is looking out and he's seeing the crowds. And it says, and he went up onto the mountain. Jesus actually got away from the crowds. And it said, and after he sat down, Whenever Jesus sits down, that is a statement that Jesus is about to teach you something. Jesus is about to go into teacher mode. And it says, so he got away from the crowd. He went up to the mountain. After he sat down, his what came to him? His disciples. This message and this word today is to those who call themselves believers in Jesus. This is for his disciples, his followers, this is not a message that is, that is universal. This is for those who name the name of Jesus. And as we get into it, you'll understand why. Because Jesus is asking us to do some pretty difficult things. But with him, it's possible. And so, and it says, his disciples came to, to him and he began to teach them, saying, and this is where we're gonna get into the scripture where I said, um, verse 43 It's at the very end of chapter five. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. 
Now, it does say this in Leviticus 19. It says you should love your neighbor. And a few weeks back, we talked about who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. And how often should we love our neighbor? Always. Everyone, always. So, as we get into the, into the weeds of this teaching, the understanding must be that when Jesus talks about enemies, it says here, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. When Jesus says, hate your enemy, this is not talking about you having a grudge against someone else. This is not talking about you being able to justify yourself and say, well, that guy did the wrong thing to me or that person hurt me or that person betrayed me or whatever. That is not what this is talking about. But the religious leaders of that time added this section to say that, that the teaching was love your neighbor but hate your enemy. And isn't that, I mean, what's, what's so special about doing that, right? It's easy to love your neighbor, love the people that you actually love, and then not like the people that you don't. I mean, there's nothing unique about that, but when we see what Jesus is talking about here is we personally should not have enemies, in human beings because we are called to forgive. So if we have truly forgiven someone, we cannot see them as our enemy. Now we're going to talk about the definition of four different types of enemies, but what this is saying, this is actually, Jesus is actually saying there are people who will oppose us. There are people who are against us. And the definition, this is... Um, the definition for the first kind of enemy that we're going to talk about is a, is a personal enemy, an adversary. This is someone, a private enemy. This is private enemy number one. Says, it's somebody who hates another person. Someone who wishes injury to happen to them or attempts to injure them in order to gratify their own malicious or ill will. So this is not what we are called to do. We are not called to hate anyone. We're called to love everyone always. So when Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, he's, he's saying this is not what I'm calling you to because as it goes on, he says, I tell you, but I tell you. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Now think about this. I want you to really, really think about this. Do you have any enemies? Can you think of anyone who is your enemy? So I want to think about that today as we, as we discuss this particular topic because he says, he says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For, now this is, this is his point here, if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing that's out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles or tax collectors do the same? And here's a really common verse that you, you probably have heard before, but it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
Now, how can we do this? How in the world is it possible for us to love, to bless, to do good, to pray for people who are our enemies? How is this even possible? How can we be perfect in this way? This is, this is a definition. So first point, love your enemies. We are called to love our enemies. Now, I really want you to let this sink in. You may have heard this teaching before, but really let this sink in. What does it mean to love your enemies when it comes so much easier to hate them or to be opposed to them? Here are the definitions. An adversary, a private enemy. Number two is an enemy of truth. It says in Philippians 3.18, I've often told you, and I now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, this is the second type of enemy. This is those who are opposed to the teachings of Jesus Christ or the people who are opposed to biblical teaching. Or this can also be spiritual in nature. This can be the, the, the flesh and blood or the, the ones who fight against flesh and blood. Not against the, it's not the people that we're fighting, it's principalities and rulers of the darkness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So the first one is a personal or private adversary. The second one is enemy of the cross. These are those who are opposed to, to scripture, opposed to the Bible. The third one would be like a, a public, this would be like nation against nation. This is more of a military term. And then the last one, and now this is not the one Jesus is calling us to love and pray for and do good to. This is the devil. Okay, so in theology, the devil is called the enemy. Jesus referred to him as the enemy. Okay, so Jesus is not calling us to, to love him. He's not calling us to love the devil. Just so you know. Okay, I want you to turn, if you would, to uh, Romans chapter 12. I love this chapter. Very challenging chapter. This would be a really good, if you're a person who likes to memorize scripture, this would be a really good one to memorize. Starting with verse 14, it says, bless, okay, Romans again, Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. This means don't be arrogant or don't be prideful or don't be a know-it-all or think that you're better than anyone else. Never look down on someone else. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls us to prefer others better than ourselves, to consider others better than ourselves. This is what Jesus calls us to. This is one way that we can actually love. It says, don't be haughty, but associate with those who are lowly. The Lord has called us not to be arrogant, not to think we're better than anyone else, but to associate those with those who maybe others won't associate with. Actually, I heard the definition of uh, an associate pastor. Have you guys ever heard the definition? An associate pastor is the one who associates with the one the pastor doesn't want to associate with. Now, that's not really the, it's not really the truth because, <laughs> I mean, otherwise I'm in violation of this, but, but we are called to to hang out with people maybe that are not what we would consider to be the, the beautiful people. 
You know, we are called to see the value in others. And as it goes on here, it says, never be wise in your own sight. This is one thing I want to really drive home. You know, it can, it can be so easy when you're in the middle of a conflict to just assume you're right. Assume, I'm right, they're wrong. Never, ever have that haughty attitude. Have the, the attitude of humility that says, Lord, I'm open. I humble myself. You know, it says in the word that with humility comes honor. And that is what we are called to. It says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought, and this is the, this is the section, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. What does honor mean? Do you guys remember we talked about this? What, is, what does it mean to honor someone? It means to put weight in their importance. It means to consider them better than yourself, to recognize they are a person for whom Jesus died. To honor someone means to place value in that person. And that's really, it goes really contrary to our natural tendency, especially if we get cut off on the freeway, right? Or if um, maybe you get fired and you just start to despise your boss or someone, someone has ripped you off or someone's rude to you or someone, you know, whatever the reasons or even more seriously, maybe you have been violated by someone or maybe someone has abused you or maybe someone has mistreated you or persecuted you or lied to you or betrayed you, all of these things, we are still called to honor. In other words, you cannot honor someone if you can't forgive them. And that is the first, that's the first line for anybody who names the name of Jesus. We absolutely must forgive. That is a way of showing honor. It's saying, let me define, forgiveness means you give up your right to have vengeance on that person. You give up your right to punish them. Because as this goes on, as it moves on, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is saying, if there's something you can do to reconcile with someone, it's up to you. The Bible, you know, it's so funny how Jesus, he does this both ways. He says, if your brother sins, to you, sins, go to him, show him his fault. And it also says, if you know your brother has something against you, go to him. This is saying, if you know someone has something against you or if you have someone against someone else, forgive and try to reconcile. Now, what this does not mean is if you are a person and if you have been sexually violated or abused, this is not saying you have to re-engage with that person, but you do have to forgive them because you're giving up the right to punish that person. What it is saying is, I am going to take this person off of my hook and put them on God's hook, trusting in the Lord. And this is an act of faith. You know, forgiveness is always an act of, of faith, always. But this is what we are called to. It says, if possible, live peaceably. And it says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Can you say that? I will repay, says the Lord. So as we forgive 
we are releasing someone into the hands of the Lord to let the Lord deal with it. I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and she works with people who are seriously, seriously violated and broken and abused. And she said to me, she goes, if I can be fully honest, she said, there are some people on this earth that are so evil and so wicked that I wish they were dead. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about the wicked. It talks a lot about those who are evil. And so it's not saying here that if you forgive, if you release them, that suddenly you have to develop this relationship with this person. That is not biblically mandated. So, because I, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who have been uh, victims of sexual abuse, and they're like, if I forgive them, then I, then I have to have a relationship. No, no, that is not what the Bible would, would call you to do. So if you are holding on to any bitterness against someone who has violated you because of your fear that you're gonna have to re-engage, you do not have to re-engage with someone who is evil and wicked and, um, and destructive. And I'm, I'm gonna get into this a little bit later here, but this, this verse actually brings me some comfort to know that the people who are so bent on doing what is wicked, who are so violent and so so evil that those people are not going to get away with it. You know, I think we always feel like, oh, they're getting away with it. But as we forgive, as we put them in the hands of the Lord, we can trust that God is good and God is just and he sees everything. Amen? Is that a comfort to some of you? Yeah, I think if you if you've been a victim, it's a comfort to know that God's not going to just let them get away with it. Okay, I know this is a really, I know it's really heavy. It says, I will repay, and here, in verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For so, or for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now listen to this, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is, again, not to put the responsibility on you to try to convince an, a wicked person or an evil person somehow to change their ways. This is so that you can be released from them. Because you know, when you have bitterness against someone or unforgiveness against someone, you are bound to that person. And so as you release them into the hands of the Lord, trust in the goodness and the grace of God. And that is what we are called to do. So speaking of the wicked, speaking of the, the arrogant, you know, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why we are called to be humble if you want God's grace in your life, if you want God's love and compassion and guidance and leading and forgiveness and, and grace, be a person of humility, understanding that God is seated on the throne. God is righteous. God is holy. It says here in, in Psalm 5, verse 5, this is a really interesting passage. I'm not going to be able to go really too deep into it. But in Psalm 5.5, 5, it says, The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. 
you hate all who do wrong. Now, how can the God of love, the God, the God about whom it is said he is love, how can he hate? But it says in Psalm 139, 21, this is, this is David praying. He says, do I not hate them, O Lord, that hate you? Am I not grieved with those who rise up against you? I hate them with, and now get this, perfect hatred. That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Seems like, a, how could hatred ever be perfect? But what this is talking about is, is that you don't become intimate with that person. You don't take them into your circle. You don't, like that isn't the, the person that you hang out with and get your advice from and your counsel. This is, this is to say, you know what? The Lord opposes the proud, the arrogant, the self-righteous, the, the, those who are wicked and evil. The Lord opposes them and he is saying to also oppose them and not necessarily by what you do, but just to not take them in as your close companion. Does this make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, so here it says, so the first thing we're called to do is love our enemies. The second thing we're called to do is, ble- or is to um, bless those who curse us. Now, this is a hard thing to do. We don't want to bless those who curse us because we think, well, why should I bless someone who, who violated me or who, who abused me? Why should I bless that person? The reason, again is because God will take care of the discipline. There's a story of um, years ago, there was someone in my life who, who gave me a lot of uh, grief. It was somebody that was very difficult for me to love, and they caused a lot of stress in my life. And, um, and I was praying one time. It, you, you ever have those times where like, you, you try to convince God that you're praying, but you're actually just tattling on someone else? That's what I was doing. I was, I was, you know, going before the Lord, and I just pray. It, it was a man, so I was like, Lord, I just pray that you would just get hold of him and straighten him out, Lord, and that he would see that he's, he's just being so selfish and so rude. And so, I mean, I was doing one of those things, and you know, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just stopped me in the middle of my prayer, and just it was so clear to me. It was like the Lord said, "I have not called you to discipline other people's children." He is my son. I have only called you to, to love him and to serve him and to bless him. It was like, oh, man. Which was literally the last thing I wanted to do, <laughs> honestly. But when I, when I knew at that moment, it was like, God is the one who's gonna take care of the discipline. God is the one who's gonna bring him to a point of obedience because it does say in the word that God will not bless people apart from obedience. There's an entire chapter in Deuteronomy 28 that talks about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. But we as believers in Jesus are called to bless and to forgive and to love I know this is hard to do, but Ephesians 6, 12, and I want to just say this, there is a demonic realm that is alive and kicking, trying to kick your, you know what? There is a demonic realm. And you know, when you are, are involved in some kind of a conflict with someone else, where there's, there's been confusion or miscommunication or some, you know, some offense, 
Ephesians 12, 6 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against another human being. In other words, it says here, it says, our struggle is against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of the darkness, and against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. There are absolutely demonic spirits that, that incite people to do evil and incite people to have divisions and to have bitterness and to have offense. You know, there are demonic spirits that want to destroy your life and destroy your relationships. And the Bible calls us to stand firm against them, to trust that God will go before us. We need only to stand and trust that God will fight our battles, but we need to have the armor of God. We need to be aware there are spirits that are gonna try to get you to have divisions, especially in marriage. Can I just say this? Especially in marriage. The enemy hates marriage. The enemy wants to bring division. And if you are in in a conflict with your spouse at some point, if you ever are, (laughs) for those of you who have perfect marriages, you can tune out now, but for those of you who are married to an imperfect human being, you yourself being imperfect, in the middle of that, if you are having like, the, like this confusion or there's just like you can't seem to connect, I know that this is the hardest thing in the world to do, but take a step back and go, you know what? We need to pray. That is the time to invite the presence of the Lord to come in because it will clear up a lot of that demonic intervention, which is so common. Now, if you're married to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, obviously that would not be a good idea. (laughs) I don't suggest that if you're in the middle of an argument, but just be praying and say, Lord, go before me. Make, Make somehow, Lord, make a way. Whatever is happening in the demonic realm in the name of Jesus, God, take care of this. Does this make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Because, because the enemy of our souls wants to bring major division to us and wants to, have, uh, wants to have relationships fall apart. You cannot bless someone that you haven't forgiven. You really can't. So again, it goes back to really love someone, you really have to forgive them. Even if you don't really love them, you do have to, we're called to forgiveness. So the first thing is that we love our enemies. We bless those that curse us. The third thing is we do good to those who hate us, which is really hard. It says in Romans 5.10, it says, for if while we were enemies, enemies of God, it says we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life? We need to extend the same grace and forgiveness and love to other people. You know, one thing that happens a lot of times if you, if, if you have someone in your life that, is, that you're opposed to or they're opposed to you or they've hurt you or they've done something or you recognize something in their life, the worst thing you can do is find another person that agrees with you about that thing. This is called an unholy alliance. And what that will do, it will open up the door for the enemy to come in and bring a spirit of division. And you know, it, it starts through gossip it starts through you know, judging someone else, judging maybe their motives, maybe not hearing their side of the story. And the Lord has called us to overlook 
an offense to expect the best, to, to, as Ka'ule talked last week, to trust. Not to put your trust in that person. We only put our trust in the Lord because people will let us down, but we need to overlook an offense in that way. Exodus 23:22 says, if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. The Lord will be an enemy to the enemies, those those demonic forces, those, those people that are opposed to God, but we need to stand righteously before the Lord. It says in Exodus 23, 4, if you come across your enemy's stray ox or donkey, you must return it to him. What we want to do is we want to repay evil with evil, don't we? Isn't that just so much more natural? Doesn't it make so much more sense? Somebody wrongs me, I'm going to wrong them right back. When Jesus is saying, no, if you find your enemies ox or donkey, you should bring it back to them. And what that's saying is that we should heap those burning coals. We should, and that doesn't mean to hurt them or to burn them. Actually, heaping burning coals meant something to help them to go build a fire. We are called to do good to those who hate us. And then the last thing we're called to do is pray for those who mistreat and persecute us. Praying for somebody who has mistreated you or persecuted you is a really difficult thing. But just like Chase said with the churches in Africa, to pray for our enemies, pray for those who've hurt us, pray for those who have abused us and mistreated us. And you can't do that, again, you can't do that without forgiving. And again, just because you forgive doesn't mean you have to go back into this relationship with that person. It might mean that, but if it's someone who's abuse, abusive or whatever, that's not what that's saying. Psalm 41.9, it says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. The NIV says, my close friend whom I loved with whom I shared my bread, has turned and lifted his heel against me. One of the hardest things to do is when it's somebody that's super close to you. You know, there, there's some passages in, uh, in, um, I, or in uh, Psalm 55, and it says, if it would have been my enemies that treated me this way, that I could handle. This is a paraphrase. But it was you, my close companion, my best friend, you're the one who just rejected me. Betrayal is so deep and it's so painful. But Jesus understands he was the one who was despised and rejected and betrayed by those he created. Get that. The very people that Jesus created, he went to the cross to save and as he was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in light of that, this is the forgiveness we are called to have. This is the way we can love those who have hurt us and abused us and rejected us and mistreated us and cursed us. You know, this year with the election, I think... Um, I think a lot of icky stuff is coming to the surface. Don't you? 
And our president, the president of our denomination, Foursquare, his name is Randy Remington, and he's such a godly man. He's really a man of prayer. And he wrote this article, which we are actually going to send to you. Um, But there's a quote in there that I want to read to you. He said, what the world needs most is not another political agenda from the church. What the world needs is Jesus' people to live more like he did. Amen? You know, it's not possible for us to truly love without the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can be nice to people, we can act nice on the outside, but to truly love that person, to truly be able to say, you know what, I bless them in the name of Jesus. To say, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release them to you. Bless them, Lord. Take care of them. Do good to them. That's a hard thing to do. But we can't do it. It says, it says with man these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. So I just want to encourage you. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you to overflowing. And, and when those names come to your mind of your enemies... Just release them to the Lord. Trust that God is good. He will protect you. He will cover you. He will heal your brokenness. He'll heal your woundedness as you release them. But don't stay sick. Don't stay bitter. Don't don't continue to hold on to unforgiveness. He's given us the supernatural ability to release and to forgive. So can we stand and just do that right now? Can we do a little bit of business with the Holy Spirit? Oh, Father, we humble ourselves before your mighty hand. Lord, and we know that that we were your enemies at one time. And Lord, that when we turned and believed and received the forgiveness that you offered us on the cross, we became, Lord, we became children of God. And we want to be children of God. Like your word says that if we do these things, if we, can, if we can love and bless and do good and pray for our enemies, Lord, it says that we will demonstrate that we are children of the heavenly Father. And God, that's what we desire. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We are desperate for you, Lord. We are desperate to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We are desperate to be given the supernatural ability to forgive others, Lord, to truly love them, Lord, to love those who are opposed to us, to love those who have abused and persecuted and mistreated us, God. Show us how to do this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just, as individuals, we just name those names before you right now that we need to know how to do this, Lord. We need to know how to forgive. We lift up the names of these people, God, and we ask, Lord, as we put them on your hook, as we release them, Lord, from the right that we have to punish, Lord, we release them into your hands. And we just ask that you would bless us Lord, as we put our faith in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have promised you would show us how to love our enemies. 
Jesus, you, you would show us how to bless those that curse, how to do good to those who mistreat us and persecute us, how to, how to pray for those that hate us. Lord, we ask that you would do these things. And, and Father, just as our country comes into this election, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we, we follow First Chronicles 7.14, Lord, we humble ourselves. We pray, we seek your face, God. Be glorified in our nation, Lord. We pray against the contention. We pray against the division, Lord, in our own hearts, first and foremost, Lord. Lord, whatever the result, God, we accept it. We know that you are the one who sets kings and rulers in place. And so, Lord, we just trust you. Our hope is in you. Our hope is not in our political systems, Lord. Our hope is in you all day long. And we bless you, God, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. And if you are a person and you have never received the forgiveness that Jesus offers for you on the cross, I just wanna say we would love to connect with you either online if you wanna just just contact our church office or talk to us on our website. We would love to be able to introduce you to the lover of your souls. And if you're here and, and you've never surrendered fully to Jesus, I just wanna have a conversation with you or maybe with the person that brought you, you can ask them about it. But let 2020 be the year where you are forever changed. Amen? All right, God bless you. We'll see you all next week. Go and love your enemies.